What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the best pizza out there. It's the only place you can get the true Colorado mountain pie. You know where it is. It's at Bojo's. It's Colorado's Pizza. And guys, Bojo's is the best. You know how we love honey with an NR pizza. And that's exactly what Bojo's is. They have the honey-infused crust the thickest crust ever. Once you're done with your green chili pizza, slather some honey on the crust. I know Ryan calls it a spoon for your honey is what the crust is, and it is so delicious. And to make it even better, when you visit a Bojo's, mention DNVR and you'll get a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree at all of their locations. Can can, can you name anything better to start your week off on this Monday? Maybe you want to plan your Friday around this, a Wednesday. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It hits every single day. So make sure you check out Bojo's. Mention DNVR and get delicious Colorado Mountain Pies. And you can grab any of the delicious Breck brews there. So make sure you check out Bojo's and that Colorado Pie. All right, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason, on this magnificent Monday morning, President's Day weekend. Most of the places in town are closed, but Mace, you and I are here rolling with the people. I was observing to you before we started this, Zach, I can't remember the last time I had a President's Day that was completely free, just off. There's always been something going on. Even if I was working from home, there was always something in play on President's Day. Yeah, because you've been with the Broncos, and you know the Broncos are always good with making the headlines, staying in the news. And, you know, the Broncos, they have a lot of vice presidents, but they have two presidents. They have a president of football operations and then a president and CEO. The former being John Elway, the latter being Joe Ellis. So... They, above all, should celebrate President's Day because they have two presidents. So is this day for John and Joe? Maybe. <laughs> but well, then again, they also there's also Boss's Day, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, John and Joe, speaking of President's Day, those sound like the just the most classic president names, don't they? Just kind of, you, you think of, when I think of president's names, I think of, you know, basic and and common yeah, you don't get uh, you don't get many unusual names. I think you may did maybe did back in the nineteenth century. You know, you had a a Ulysses. Yep. Here. Yep. You're right. But then again, you also have a lot of you know James and it would Andrew Jackson and Andrew Johnson. You even had a Zach. <laughs> yes, you did. You had Zachary <laughs> Taylor. Yep. And that's is this day actually for the Bengals head coach. Are we celebrating him today? Well, both Zachary Taylor, the president, and uh, Zach Taylor, the coach, 
have a connection to being on the Ohio River. Zachary Taylor had a spread <laughs> on the Ohio River, and Paul Brown Stadium, where Zach Taylor works, is just a stone's throw from the Ohio River within sight. That is, Mace, I think you're the only person that could have ever made a connection between Zach Taylor and Zachary Taylor. It's because I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I mean, let's just... You, you, you say nerd, other people just say brilliantly smart. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's whatever you want to it's whatever you want to believe, right? It 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 is. And before we hop any further, I got to tell you guys about Strava Craft Coffee, perfect for a holiday, for President's Day, for your Tuesday morning when you have to wake up and get back on the grind. The code magical one DNVR20 gets you 20% off this delicious coffee, which is so smooth. You can get it whole bean, grinded, and K-cups if you're really on the go. And, of course, it comes with all the benefits of CBD, which really anything going on with your body, it helps. So many people at the office swear by it. My girlfriend does. So make sure you check them out and use that code DNVR20 to get your body right. All right, Mace, right, right when we hopped off the pod on Friday, news came down the wire that Vic Fangio has decided not to take his assistant coaches with him to the Combine. The Rams are also doing this following Vic Fangio's path, and the way this is being presented is that this is the wave of the future. So, Mace, are you riding that wave of the future thinking this is a brilliant move? Not yet. Okay. I'm not there. I I have my questions about this. And part of it is, first of all, understand what you get out of the combine and what are the most valuable aspects of it. Believe it or not, even though they put a lot of emphasis on the workouts, it's not the workouts. No. The Now, it's all well and good that you have – all these players in a controlled environment so you have consistency of results. I think the on-field thing, what you get the most out of, frankly, is probably the uh, 40-yard dash and also even the short shuttle and three-cone just because you could run at your pro day. It could be a fast track on your college field. It could be wind-aided, and it can skew it a bit. They like kind of the the common the common environment for the workouts, but the most important things at, uh, coming out of the combine are the medical checkups and the chance to meet with players. And the medical checkups that that's unaffected. Broncos love their full medical complement out there in Indianapolis as usual. But meeting with players, Zach, it is not just the formal interviews. And by the way. I'm not keen on not having the position coaches in the formal interviews. They say, oh, the position coaches, they'll get to watch the interviews. I think you want the position coach in those interviews. To ask questions? Yes. Sometimes, you know, let's say you're talking to a quarterback. The Broncos won't be, but a lot of teams are. The Broncos may talk to some day three quarterbacks. Don't you want your quarterback coach in there? I would and think your so. your offensive coordinator to help quiz the guy? But there's another thing in play, Zach, and it is Indianapolis is a very social environment at the Combine. You don't and say. just because you don't have a formal interview with somebody doesn't mean you don't talk to those players informally. The coaches 
they weren't at the Senior Bowl. They weren't at the Shrine game. So what you're doing here is removing another connection point for the coaches with the prospects. They'll watch film, and that's well and good, but they have less of a chance to get a few minutes with a player, get a feel for them, find out, okay, is this guy coachable? Is this guy not? And I know people say, oh, well, you've got the pro days. Oh, you can bring in players for interviews in April. You can only bring in 30 players for interviews. And pro days, you can't make every pro day. Sometimes you've got like two or three going on at the same time. And if they're bigger pro days, you've got representatives from all 32 teams. There's no guarantee that you're going to get a little one-on-one time. It's The combine, beyond what exists formally, represents another chance to get to know these players. And the Broncos, because they don't have their coaches there, they'll have 17 fewer people in Indianapolis to try to get a few minutes with all of these prospects, get some one-on-one time, learn more about them. It may not affect you in picks one through three, but then you get to the fourth round and beyond. I think it could have an Im- impact, and it could have an impact even in the third with third round types of picks as well. So, I'm not a fan of this move. Look, if it were my team, I'd have my coaches at the Senior Bowl as well. Again, another chance to connect with players to get to know them. Yes, the scouts have been doing that work for three years, but on each of these guys, but the coaches have to find out if they're coachable, right? So. I'm skeptical. Yeah, and I was told that this was Vic Fangio's decision entirely, and I'm not surprised about it at all. And it's not budget. Right. I want to make this clear. Kind of found out every other department in the Broncos organization regarding the Combine is unaffected. This was not in any way about budget issues at Broncos HQ. This was strictly a Fangio call right right and I'm not surprised at all I don't I don't have to be convinced of that I completely believe that because I think this does two things Mace you mentioned the combine is a social environment and Uh and you were kind of touching on you know it's a big convention center where, where, where this is happening people can coaches and players media and players media and coaches can bump into each other just in the halls of the convention center and have those informal chats well it's also social when the sun goes down and uh, well what happens then people are there to of course do work but they're there to have a good time and mace i'll, I'll tell you <laughs> this is it is incredible the amount of work and play these staffs do and the minuscule amount of sleep and i've seen it firsthand that happens so to me two things happen when the coaches don't go to the combine and when you keep people back from the combine one probably more productivity honestly in terms of watching film so i think vic fangio isn't one of those guys, he wasn't out at the bars till, you know, 2, 3, midnight. He's not John Fox who will buy the entire <laughs> bar no. around No, if he, things are going swimmingly. Yes, he certainly is not. Vic Fangio is not doing that. So he probably sees this environment and says, what a waste. What is going on here when these guys could be working? And Vic- He's also been going to the Combine for the last... 
you know, 30 some years, basically, probably all but uh, one or two years since he became the head co- or the assistant coach uh, coaching linebackers for the New Orleans Saints back in 1986. <laughs> so he's seen the combine grow from this uh, little, you know, kind of insiders only event to something that is mushroomed into a, a media circus. Uh, you mentioned the Rams earlier. Sean McVay reportedly is going to show up just to do the press conference. Really? And then leaving? Yes. With media. That's it. Wow. He's there for basically a couple of days. Well, I don't like and that. He's back home. That's that's for sure. Um, so Vic knows better than anyone how it is a social week. It's a, it's a party week. Loose for, lips for these sink clubs. ships. And that's the second reason. Isn't just that it, it's probably not as productive as being back at home grinding away, but also things get out. And Vic probably doesn't like when things get out. You, 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 it, it, you don't have to talk to him for too long to understand that. So I think this does two things. It raises productivity among the entire coaching staff during that week, and it makes sure that not as much information gets out. Well, any reporter worth their salt who covers this team spends a fair amount of time at the JW Marriott Bar in downtown Indianapolis during the Combine because, of course, that's where the Broncos would usually stay, and that's where a lot of stuff would go down. Yep. And... Eh, a lot of alcohol went down, too. A couple nice bars there. Yes. I've had a few Moscow mules <laughs> sitting in there. That said, you'll still have the scouting staff there. Yeah. There will be some people around. It was going to be different this year anyway, though, Zach, because you had the workouts in the evening. Because they're being tailored for primetime coverage on NFL Network. They've completely rearranged the daily schedule. Of the combine. Player interviews are going to be during the day now rather than in the evening. Media interviews of players are going to be in the mornings. So maybe the media won't be out quite as much (laughs) as they would be. Knowing that you have that early alarm going off, basically. You have players. I think they start being available at 8 a.m. Yep. Yeah. Indy's, Indy's trying to make it no fun anymore. It is the no fun league. <laughs> so, yeah, Mace, so, you're in wait and see mode with this, huh? I'm in wait and see mode with all of this. Um, again, I just know a few things from being around and talking to people over the years, and I find myself kind of focusing on them right now. I've heard from a lot of assistant coaches and scouts that a key element to all this is the just the chance to talk with the players one-on-one to get to know them that way. That that is an important part of this entire process. In fact, one scout mentioned to me last month when at coming back from the Shrine game that, you know, what they do down here, it's well and good, but we're trying to talk with everybody at, cer- at a certain point because you want to get to know them. You want to, you know, Get, learn a little bit, bit about their personality. You want to ask, you know, you want to ask them specific questions. You want to figure out, are they going to fit your culture in your building? And you're losing an opportunity for that. I think the more connection points you have, the better and the more you inevitably learn. So 
that's why I'm skeptical about this. And also, um, just to kind of go back to past years, uh, remember when Bobby Turner was on the staff, the great running back coach? Now, of course, he's uh, with the 49ers because he's tied to Mike and Kyle Shanahan. Well, Bobby Turner, he used to really maximize the combine as far as getting one-on-one time with players at the posi- at his position at running back. And there were far more hits than misses for him over the years. And, you know, some of it is his own instincts. That he's, a, he's a dadgum good coach uh, when he gets guys in. But it did not hurt that he was able to work the lobbies where those prospects were. Go around, get to know guys, get their phone number, then you know, talk to them at the combine, then talk to them on the phone after. Keep in touch. We get so focused on the analytics and the data sometimes but that we forget the impact of simple human connection. And by not having as many boots on the ground, so to speak, the Broncos are losing some opportunities for that. It's funny, Vic made this decision, well, it, it, I'm guessing Vic made this decision to take away some of that social interaction, but then... Take it, away the it, social interaction, I think, with the media. It, exactly. But, but then you're then it losing does, the social interaction exactly. with the players. Exactly. So I definitely think that th- this can't be sold, that it's just fantastic, just bad in terms of Vic's eyes, because Mesa, I do think the more people you get to interact with someone, mm-hmm. just... The, the more diverse of an opinion you have. And, we, and we've talked about how it's important for for John Elway to grow his inner circle, right? We, we've said more help is okay, even if it's one or two people. We're not saying everyone, but now this seems like it's even shrinking even more. This is Patriot-esque. The Patriots are a team that has held back some of their coaches. Does that surprise you at all? Over the <laughs> that years. doesn't shock me one bit. You're consolidating the people with access to information mm-hmm. and thus you're reducing the chances of stuff getting out. And just like and there's Vic, value to that, but at the same time you have to focus on what you're losing as well. I don't really see Bill Belichick being a night owl prowling town five, five nights a week during the combine. Well, Oh man, <laughs> I find myself thinking about, how this is going to impact kind of the bars and restaurants, but we all we already saw this uh, anyway because when you had you had those two and a half hours or so in the evening when coaches and scouts and personnel staffs would have the formal interviews with players, and then that's that's why you'd have kind of two peaks to the activity. You'd have the early evening peak, and then you'd have the late evening peak. Mm-hmm. Now you've got workouts that are going to chew up more of the time in the evening, so uh, maybe there'll be fewer opportunities. Although, that being said, I know how a lot of people in this business operate, Zach, and <laughs> even if the workouts go till 11, 11, 15 at night, those bars are going to be hopping at midnight. Oh, no, there's no doubt about that. When, at what hours have you been in, say, for example, Prime? When do they close? I think they... they I, I've been in there at Two in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say probably closing time. Yeah. (laughs) And Mace, that's one week away. Yeah, and and I'll tell you this. um, I don't know if I'm going to be 
out as late as usual just because of that 8 a.m. answer the bell time to talk to players. It changes things a little bit oh, for me. Yeah. It, it, it certainly... I'm not in my 20s. I can't... Uh, I can't go all night and then be back in the morning. The only, I think the only way I'm going to make this work, Zach, is there's going to have to be a robust afternoon nap <laughs> for me every day. Like at about 2.30 or 3 o'clock, I'm going to be down for like two or three hours. We'll either, uh, we'll either do the pod as you're falling asleep right before or we'll do it right when you wake up and you're cheery and jolly. Yeah, I'm... Well, Whoa, a two or three it, hour nap. I thought you were the king of 20-minute naps. Usually, but uh, <laughs> if I only get four hours of sleep, then I got to make it up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Th- this is what happens when you get old, Zach. <laughs> well, we'll make up the slack for you, but man, I am so excited that in in one week we'll be out in Indy. And we're still going to hear stuff. That's the thing. It's just that we don't have as many coaches to kind of interact with, but we'll still hear stuff. The thing is, I find that, you know, there'll be a couple of nights where I'm end up at the staking shake. Oh, yeah. And you hear stuff there, too. Oh, absolutely. But you do. it's a little, I don't know, a little more sensible. <laughs> <laughs> if you can call burger and fries and a milkshake sensible. Oh, man, that sounds so good right now. The flagship steak and shake. But one thing to consider, Zach, as far as getting intel on all of these players is how many picks the Broncos have. As of today, they officially have nine. Well, I thought it was 500. I thought they had like 500 picks. well there's only what 256 in any given year yeah i thought they had them all yeah no (laughs) it'd be nice so they have nine right now people people when they project and say i want this guy i want this guy i want this guy i think sometimes people subconsciously think they have them all or wish they had (laughs) them all so they have nine picks right now five of course in the first Three rounds, the first 100 selections, two more in round four, and then a round six and a round seven pick. Based on the projections from OverTheCap.com, which does a better job with tr- keeping track of the compensatory picks, the possibilities there than anybody else, OverTheCap expects the Broncos to have three comp picks, one in round five for Billy Turner, two in round seven, one for Max Garcia, one for Tremaine Brock. Throwbacks. Right. So that's 12 selections. Now, there's every indication and also kind of the way the Broncos go about things that they're going to want to consolidate that a little bit, that they have not had that many picks in the John Elway era. I mean, really, when was the last time the Broncos had 12 draft picks, Zach? Mace, that's a question that I would ask you. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, let's see if we... This is where I go into Indiana Jones, Henry Jones, and Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade mode because there's a scene in there where Indiana realizes that they have to go back to Berlin to get the Grail Diary, and this is his father, Henry Jones, played by Sean Connery, and... They have to go back because in order to get the clues to find the Holy Grail, they're all written in the book. And Indiana Jones can't understand why Henry Jones can't remember. And he says, well, I wrote them down so I wouldn't have to remember. (laughs) Let's see. And just last year, they had 10. They finished with 10 picks. Yep. And that's the only time in the John Elway era they've had double digits. Right. So you probably have to go back to the McDaniels era, right? For the last time that they had uh, 
as many as 12 picks. Let's see here. Uh, 20, uh, or maybe not. 2010, they finished with nine picks. 2009, they finished with 10 picks. 2008, nine. 2007, four. We're back in the Shanahan era now. 06, seven. 05, six. 04, 10. 03, 10. 02, eight. 01, six. 2000, 10. 1999, 5, yep. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yep, there we go. Now, John Elway makes trades every year. And so you can expect trades to happen. But, again, the Broncos are expected to have 12 picks when all is said and done. We do not expect them to make 12 selections. Part of the philosophy the Broncos have, Zach, is that they view the picks in terms of, okay, are these guys likely to make the team? to be a part of the 53. And that's what they focus on. So sometimes so while there is room for surprises in terms of roster construction for the coming year and they do happen with injuries and so forth. By the time the Broncos get to the draft and have been done with free agency, they know how many spots really are left for draft picks to make the roster. And you have players coming back from injured reserve You've got a lot of young guys. You'll have free agents coming in because, of the, of course, the Broncos have $80 million of cap space. I don't expect them to spend all of that. $80 million, I think, based after they, if, assuming they let go of Joe Flacco. I don't expect the Broncos to spend all of that, but they'll come close. They'll be active. Point being, they're going to go in the draft and say, we don't have 12 spots. And that's where you start trying to make trades. And the question is, is that the right philosophy? Because there are people, I mentioned Bill Belichick mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jimmy Johnson going to the Hall of Fame this year, who felt that draft picks were basically just like arrows in the quiver. And the more arrows you had, even if they were coming later, the better chance you had of getting a hit. So goals that they had would be turning, say, one pick into three picks. It popped in my mind because Peter King in his column today, Football Morning in America on NBCSports.com, mentioned how a couple of years ago, Seattle was very pick shy going into the draft because of a series of trades. And so they turned their first round pick, which I believe was number 21, into Six choices, two in the second, two in the fourth, a fifth, and a sixth to bolster their draft complement. So what's the more valuable play? Is it to hold on to the picks or maybe even take the picks that you have and create more? Or is it to stand pat or divest yourself of picks? Well, we've talked a lot. Down to nine or eight. Right. We've talked a lot, Mace, about potentially trading back into the first round or moving up into the first round. And the reason why I've talked about that uh, a lot is because that's, at least for this draft, that's how I feel. Look look at the John O'Wear. It's it's hard to mess up top picks, right? It doesn't look like he messed up uh, selecting Bradley Chubb moving up or, or, or having a high pick to do that. So that's where I trust John Elway is higher in the draft. And so that's why I believe that that's the reason the Broncos should consolidate some of those picks. Certainly not. And with 12, certainly 
not end with 15, at least for this year. But if you're a team like the San Francisco 49ers, who they have one pick in the top 150, is that what you told me? Yes. Their first-round pick, that's it. They're looking to trade down. And they're sitting at 31, obviously, after being in the Super Bowl this year. That's, I mean, that's a crapshoot if you're going to be able to hit on that one. So it makes sense for them to trade back and do what Seattle did and, and compile a lot of picks. But for the Broncos, when they're in the complete opposite situation, move up, try to get an elite player. Then maybe even after you do that, then take some of those second, third, fourth rounders that you have, the other top 100, and maybe try to move back in to try to see if another elite player falls. Well, what's interesting, though, Zach, I mean, you're focused on elite players, but there's also kind of the rank and file that compile your depth and really bolster your roster. You take the 2016 draft, for example, seven of the eight players are still in the league, and if they don't trade Riley Dixon... They're all still on the roster, but the only X all but one, of course, the one they missed first rounder Paxton Lynch. (laughs) Yep. It's a mixed bag on day three, but that tends to be pretty typical of, of what day three is around the league. I'm looking at 2016 uh, really quick. How many of those guys do you think will be on this roster opening day, 2021? Two. Justin, Justin Simmons, Simmons and Jano. You think Jano makes it? Yeah, he'll make it. In next year. I think Janovich ma- makes the roster for one more year. <laughs> okay. So I, in 2021. Yeah, or for this season, 2020. But in 2021, next year. Okay. I think probably Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons. Unless, of course, there's another sea change and the Broncos mm. re-embrace the fullback. But right now, I think <laughs> this is going in the direction where Jano... So I was thinking 2020, I think Jano and, and Simmons, but this is my way of saying I don't think Gotsis is back. I don't think Booker is back. I don't think McGovern is back. Will Parks is going to start somewhere, even though I would argue he should be there. And, of course, Riley Dixon is a New York Giant. Yep. Think about that for a moment. From the, from the let's see, 2015 draft, and then you have the 24. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This is fascinating, Zach. Mm -hmm. If you really start diving into uh, the draft history of the Denver Broncos under John Elway. What are you looking at? I'm looking at guys who got second contracts, okay? Oh, boy. Now, you, you let some players walk. Like in 2011, you let Orlando Franklin walk. I would argue... Injuries caught up to him, but he was a valuable player. He was worthy of getting a second contract. Yes, okay. Raheem the Dream, playing in the XFL right now. XFL star Raheem (laughs) Moore. So two guys from 2011 got second contracts, and you had um, nine picks that year, Von Miller and Virgil Green. In 2012, you had seven selections, and only one player got a second contract with the Broncos, Derek Wolfe, Malik Jackson, and Dane Trevathan. They were worthy, but they walked. Yep. 2013, no players got second contracts with the Broncos. 2014, no second contracts. Although Matt Paradis probably was worthy. Yikes. Michael Schofield has put his career back together after Cleo Mack broke him. And Bradley Roby, you picked up the fifth-year option on. But, but still, none of those guys were good enough where you said we can't let them go. Right. If you really want them, you don't let them go. Yep. 2015, 
one second contract. Jeff Ironman. Uh-huh. So think about that. John Elway's first five drafts, which encompass 9, 7, 16, 23, 29, 38 picks in those five drafts, three second or four second contracts. Wow. Four. And then you come up on this on this draft class of 2016 whose contracts are ending now and six of the eight are still on your roster. But you're probably only going to bring back Justin Simmons. In terms of second and, contracts? And Janovich has signed a second contract. Two. So, so think about that. You're averaging one if if you and that's if you sign Justin Simmons to a long term deal, what if you only franchise tag him and get him for one year? Yeah, but let's assume let's live in a world where Justin Simmons gets a three or four year contract. Okay, you're averaging one player that gets to their second contract every draft. Yikes! That's not good. Yikes! Now and you've let some good players walk. I know, but still, that's. So Mace, let's not, do. That's not how you. That's not how you build a team. Let's do some projecting because we know how awful to the 2027 or 2017 draft was. So yes. we don't need to talk about that. But let's do. Let's do some projecting because uh, a lot of people say the past two drafts, John Elway has struck after being god awful, like uh-huh. we just detailed. Let's do some projecting as it stands right now. Let's go through both drafts really quick and just guess how many second contracts there will be in the 2018 draft. Do we think there'll be a second contract for Bradley Chubb? Yes. Cortland Sutton? Yes. I agree with both of those. So two out of two. Royce Freeman? No. Isaac Yadam? No. Josie Jewell? No. Deshaun Hamilton? Not trending that way. Troy Fumagalli? No. Sam Jones? No. Keyshawn Bieria? Gone, gone. And David, David Williams? So gone. two. So two out of what is that? What was that? Nine? Ten. Ten. This year, this past draft, 2019, do we think, and I know it's so early, but we just got to guess. Noah Fant. Yes. Dalton Reisner. Yes. Drew Locke. Yes. Draymond Jones. Yes. Justin Hollins. No. And uh, Juwan Winfrey. No, just guess. That's four. And I agree. I agree with that guess of four of the six. And in twenty the 2017 draft, which we skipped over, it's going to be a maximum of one, basically. Garrett Bowles. Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to say him. But yeah, could be. But and probably not. But we'll we'll find out in May on the fifth year option for Garrett Bowles. And the reason we'll find out in May is A, the Broncos have that time to figure it out. And B, you might draft a tackle of the future. And it may not be early. Now, if Andrew Thomas is sitting there at fifteen, you probably think about it. Mm-hmm. Especially if Ruggs, Lamb, Judy are all off the board. Then maybe you change your plans a little bit. Tristan Wirfs drops to that point, same thing. Yep. And if either of them drop, I think then it's a definite that you're not picking up the option on Garrett Bowles if those if one of those two is your pick. But what else could could change it is let's say one of your round three picks is on tackle. And don't be surprised if that's the case. Not at if, all. I've talked about Prince Tega Wanogu from Auburn. If he's sitting there in round three, wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the Broncos' choices. Oh, I I expect like that. two offensive linemen on day two into day three. So I expect two offensive linemen between round two and round four, and then maybe another tackle toward the end, like a long a, a long shot type of guy, an athletic projection. 
I agree. I agree. But Mace, look at these past two drafts. Where John Elway has hit, it has been as early in the draft as possible. Yes. His first two picks in 2018 were hits. We went through the rest. Probably not hits. This past draft, his first four picks were hits, as, as they should be. I mean, the, the, the higher you up, the higher in the draft you are, you should hit. But that's why I'm even more set on the Broncos not trying to accumulate even more picks or even stay at 12 or even stay at double digits. I want them to consolidate, move up, not just in the first round, but then up in the second round, back into the first, because that's where John always had his most success. So that's what I want him to do again. But don't forget about the notion of accumulating capital for next year. And I think that's something that could come into play as well. For example, you're sitting on three threes. What if you can turn one of those threes into a two? Because the team says, we really want this guy right now. We've seen that kind of trade happen over the years. We really have to have this guy right now. We'll give you a future two for a three today. Would you be okay with the compensatory third for a future third? You mean, well, you can't, you mean getting back a future third. You don't have a compensatory third. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant your last third round pick this year. Yeah, from the 49ers. So turn that into a three. I'd think long and hard about it. Yeah, I would. I would do it. Would you be okay turning two fours into a three this year? Yes. Okay. I would. And then packaging a couple of those threes for a two. I'd, I'd love that. Would you be okay taking two compensatory seventh round picks and moving them up in the seventh round? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Because right now the Broncos are projected, according to overthecap.com, to have two comp picks. See, I, that's what you would do. I like to have more picks. I'm the Jimmy Johnson type. I'm looking to trade down. I'm looking for more shots. Inevitably, players fall. So right now, you're projected to have about 12 picks. Yes. And, and that's probably what it'll be. How many would you want to end up with if you're John Elway? Do you want to be a 12? Do you want to be a 15? I would be okay st- staying at 11 picks. So you're still at an above average total. So ten. I'm going to say 10 or 11. But I want to emerge from the 2020 draft with at least two extra picks in 2021. One of them being a day two. I would like to have an extra pick. I would love to, again, for a team that really wants to have a guy right freaking now, I would love to take one of those fourths and make it a third in 2021. Yeah. Would love it. So you're okay. Or take one of those threes and make it a two because then I'm increasing my overall capital. And you're okay with losing one of those five top 100 picks this year in order to get another one next year. If I can make it higher, absolutely. Again, this is all about asset accumulation as well, whether it's in, in the form of players coming in or the ability to add future players in drafts down the line. And Mace, that's wise. And that's also understanding where you are. That's saying. We are a year or two out from contending for the for what we really want to contend for, and that's a Super Bowl. And that that's wise. I, I would I would love it if the Broncos made a move like that. I would also love it if they ended the draft with let's say seven picks. They went from twelve to seven. 
but they moved up in the first round to get who they loved, and then they jumped back into the first round, or they moved up in the second round again to just hit on these, because I don't think that 11 guys are going to make the roster if you draft 11 guys. So get seven guys that are all going to make the roster, that you but all you, think will make the, the roster. The problem is you assume they're going to make the roster, but what if there are busts? Yeah, and, and, and then that's when you having ex- more picks, right. it you, gives you more chances. I, I totally understand that, that philosophy. Gonna, right, I'm not accept, saying it's stupid. Right, you accept that you're going to cut guys, and the other thing that comes mm-hmm. into play if you just simply have a greater volume of picks is this. Greater volume, and let's say a player surprises and does better than you think he do, he can. Then maybe you got a surplus on the roster who's experienced, and you can trade that surplus. Yep. And get more draft capital. It's interesting. See how that works? It's interesting, and it's going to be fascinating to next week find out John Elway's idea, how he views this, because like we've said, he's he's never had this many picks. I'm going to anticipate that he probably will say we're going to look to consolidate a little bit, but also look to accumulate capital for 2021. Yep. Get more for the future, and that I'd be okay with. Yep. Something I'd be okay with today, Mace, is cracking open a cold strawberry (laughs) sky on this really perfect winter day in Denver today. Highs in the 40s, and it doesn't really matter what the weather is. You don't need to look at your phone to see that it's a perfect day for a strawberry sky. A day off, maybe tomorrow you get back on the grind, have one when you get home from work, and definitely stock up for this weekend. Strawberry sky is always a fantastic beer to have, and I'll tell you what. Breckenridge Brewery has mastered the art of the fruit beers because it's it's not overpowering. You're not drinking punch in in beer form when you have these. We've had I've tried so many different beers that they incorporate fruit with and they just do a perfect job. It is the perfect balance. And so I recommend that you guys have the strawberry sky. And if you're like, "Man, I really want one, but I don't know where to find one because I live outside of Colorado." Well, Good news. They have the Breck Beer Finder. So go on their website. You can type it in, Breck Beer Locator, to find not just where they have Breckenridge beers, but where they have specific Breckenridge beers. Ah, the Strawberry Sky is undefeated. So make sure you check one out. And after you do that, make sure you check out the Green Solution, which has 18 Colorado locations and It's the best place in Colorado to get all of your goods with edibles, concentrates, you name it. And with their express checkout, you don't have to wait in line. You get in and out as fast as possible. No no waiting in line. So make sure you check out the Green Solution. Download their app, My Green Solution, or or go to their website, mygreensolution.com, and use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase all right mace let's talk to the people first of all i just have to mention one thing if the football calendar changes you know that this president's day podcast could be right after the super bowl wow this is what a lot of people want a (sighs) president's day weekend super bowl what i don't understand is why would you not i do what is the argument against it ah well shorter off season by two weeks for the teams or who's upset about that People who cover this game and need a little bit of a break—that's <laughs> fair. But wouldn't you push the wouldn't you push the start of the season back? Let's say you push it back one week because you're adding a seventeenth game, right? So it starts middle of something September, that let's is say. Be, yeah, something that is being 
uh, discussed thoroughly. So basically, you'd start training camp early August. You'd have all of July off, but you're still losing a week overall. <laughs> oh, man. It is really funny when uh, when people ask me all the time, you know, oh, what do you do during the off season? What off season? <laughs> exactly. But what does change is that you don't have to go to the facility as much. Like, for example, we're, we're recording this podcast in my office at home today. So it's nice to just be able to say, okay, I'm going to work, but I'm going to put on some sweats. Yep. Zach's wearing shorts, Yep. as you can expect, <laughs> because it's not a blistering cold day. Although, he wears shorts even when it's like 10 degrees outside. <laughs> I don't get that. All about comfort, Mace. Yeah, but you're cold. You're not comfortable. <laughs> well, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So it does change a little bit, but the work doesn't drop. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 torn on this. I, I love the idea from a fan perspective of saying, hey, there's Super Bowl Sunday is followed by a day off for most people. Ooh. Yep. Except yeah, I guess it'll never be a day off for us, as you said. President's Day never is. Maybe in three years we're talking about preparing for a Super Bowl parade in downtown Denver tomorrow. As Homer Simpson also once said, he wanted he wanted Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday back as separate paid holidays. <laughs> <laughs> President's Day. Pfft, what a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely get behind that, Homer. All right. Let's now go on to the comments. We'll start with this one from Bleed Orange Blue. Boys, the pot of you guys breaking the news of the hidden bowling child was gold. Gold, boys. Gold. I was laughing nonstop. Daniel, the golden retriever, deserved to be vesting show. My daughter's right there with you on that, Bleed Orange Blue. It ruined my day when that poodle got the trophy. Thanks for providing me laughter every day. I wish I could be ta- talking and laughing on this pod with guys in person. And that's that means so much because that's exactly what we try to do. We just try to make this feel like you're talking to your friends. So we absolutely love hearing that bleed orange and blue. And man, I knew I knew the dog had just a very the the golden retriever had a very simple name, Daniel. There we go. Yeah. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. He says, should we read into Vic not taking Munchak with him to the Combine? I've always thought that offensive line isn't priority number one for the Broncos this offseason, and they're happy to roll with the starting lineup of Bulls, Reisner, Morris, Wilkinson, and James. And Munch not being there to directly interview and scout the lineman has me feeling even strongly about that. Also, RK, any particular feelings about signing Paul Richardson to come back to Colorado? I'd still want them to draft Ruggs or Rieger, but it's always smart to cover glaring needs before the draft just in case, and I doubt the Broncos would have to bring back up the Brinks. Well, Paul Richardson's very interested, or that's who he's talking about, right? Yeah, Paul Richardson released by uh, Washington. Yeah. Makes some sense. He already got paid. He got paid, and the thing is, he's injury prone which is why he's uh, not going to get very much. You can probably get him for a two-year contract, but basically it's a one-year deal in terms of the guarantees that you dole out. So if you do draft a wide receiver or two this year, as I expect expect they will, and they flourish, you can move on from P. Rich after this year. And I I am gun-shy of signing more injured guys. Did, Did we not learn from last year? And it would be different because Juwan James, when you signed him, was the highest paid right tackle in the history of the NFL. And this is not going to be one of the highest paid right. receivers. Right. You can, if something happens to Paul Richardson, you can find a replacement, ideally from within your own ranks. If you're going in there saying, okay, 
we're going to end up with eight or nine selections, and probably two of them are going to be wide receivers. So it would be different than that. I mean, Bryce Callahan was a highly paid guy as well. But boy, this is I'm signing him to a small, small deal if I'm signing him, and I'm not counting on him. He does not change my plans. And that may not be something that Paul's looking into or looking for. All right, next one coming in from R.D. Dollywell. For what it's worth, just watch CNBC TV and Delta Airlines. Oh, wait, before we move on to R.D. Dollywell, he was asked about, we were asked about whether we should read into Vic not taking Munchak to the Combine. Mm. No, because none of the coaches are going. Yeah, because they're not taking anyone. So, no. Uh, R.D. Dollywell says, for what it's worth, just watch CNBC and Delta Airlines CEO said it's proper etiquette uh, etiquette to ask before reclining your seat on a flight. You said it the way that... uh, XFL broadcasters were saying Marquette King's name last week. What? <laughs> uh, this week, did they correct it? You know what? I didn't have the sound on of the game he kicked in which he punted, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> he says, thanks, RK, for recommending Super Bowl. And on Instagram, instant hit with me. Heard Philip Lindsay is going to be a dad. Congratulations to him. Finally, choose your favorite way to eat potatoes, mashed with or without gravy, chips or fries. Take care. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we're going, like, no health, like, we're not concerned about the health of these fries, without a doubt, right? I guess you could go tater tots. But I did have the option of fries or tots earlier this weekend, and I I went with fries. Where do sweet potatoes count? I'm a sweet potato guy. Oh, I would take sweet potato fries over normal fries. Exactly. If they're both on the menu, even though sweet potato fries are usually extra. Yep. Um, yes. And by the way, yeah. <laughs> The Super Bowl on Instagram. It's, uh, was it popping off this weekend? Yeah, the uh, Instagram story from the last 24 hours. I mean, it's funny. Like, There's a lot of shots of his dog, and his dog is adorable. His dog's very cute. Yes. Cavalier King Charles Spaniel looks kind of like mine. But then there's also, like, just, it's, it's just misogynism. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Public for everyone to see. Oh, gosh. I, why am I looking at this right now? <laughs> Maze, don't take yourself down that hole on President's Day. Oh, God. <laughs> You're getting trapped in it. What the? Like, I don't even know what to make of this. You can't, like, even, you can't even read it. Oh, I, I can't. And, like, there's there's stuff about his siblings, and it's yeah, just... Oh, it's, it's wild. It's sad. I, I I can't even make well, it. Well, Mace, I, I know how you can get pulled out of that. The Count wants to talk to you. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Please, Count Lockula, bring me back to Sandy, because I just was sitting here going through the Super Bowl and Instagram feed, and I, I, I can't even imagine. DNVR family is with a heavy heart that I must inform you that after a late night in my crypt, crunching numbers in the friendly confines of my DRC custom rubber casket, I've determined that there is about a 75% chance that Los Bolins will no longer be the owners of this formidable franchise. The discovery of the 8th Air will undoubtedly throw a monkey wrench into the financial plans of the other progeny. Let the melodrama begin. Got news for you, Count. It's already here. My suggestion is this, Broncos country. Get in good with RK as the Konigsberg ownership group is at play here. Dishwasher salmon field at mile high is but a millisecond away in geologic time foil not included in this light what is major one major immediate change each of you would make if you own the team love the count hmm. what change would you make zach boy that's it i mean where do you start if you're making one major change 
I know some people would be going for John. I wouldn't be doing that because John always trending in the right direction in my mind. Yeah. The thing with Pat Bowen, when he bought the team, he didn't make a lot of immediate changes. He kind of sat back and watched and learned for a little bit. What I've heard people say is if you win the Powerball, if you win the lottery, you shouldn't make any major changes for a year. And as, yes. as, he, as tough as it may be to not go on a year vacation right away, quit your job, buy a new house, it, you're just supposed to, it, it's the wise thing to kind of take, not, not take a big step back, live your life, think about what you want to do before just jumping to conclusions right away. That's interesting. Because most people's first instinct would be quit their job. <laughs> Pick up the phone, call their boss. <laughs> there is, years ago, there was a sportscaster in Baltimore, the late Chris Thomas, who eventually went on to Tampa. That's where I know him uh, from, and uh, he was on TV and radio down there. And <laughs> he thought, as he's doing the sportscast one night, that he'd hit the lottery. Oh, no. So oh, no. he goes on air and <laughs> says, Oh, the Orioles lost, but who cares? Uh, I hit the jackpot. Uh, 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 uh. And he <laughs> okay. did it. He was, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. Bye. And then he went back and uh, checked his ticket, and he was one number off. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. But his whole sports guy's like, oh, who cares? I'm, I'm rich. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That is hilarious. Oh, That's a man. pretty bad realization to have. Yes. What change would I make? Hmm. So when you think about that, that's my answer. I wouldn't come in and make immediate changes because I think um, it, it's easy to see how there could be so many things being done wrong, but you got to get inside and, and see why and see the inner workings. Well, admittedly, having been inside the building, I've seen yeah. how things work. Yeah. I would probably make some... They wouldn't be kind of affecting the football side of it. I, I'd keep... I'd keep personnel and coaching. I'd be rolling status quo on that. There would be some business side changes. Would you say some big ones? Maybe. Um, Fascinating. Well, it's just when you work inside and you you, you observe up close. I don't really want to get into the details of it. There are just things that I think can and should be done better. Yeah. And part of it is also having worked in another organization like Carolina. And obviously they had major issues at the top, as we would later learn. But there were some things that in terms of the day-to-day administration of the team and uh, how departments were run, you know, that were that that were that were good. I mean, actually, um, there was one person in particular uh, that I saw out that I thought really paid a lot of attention to his department and if the organization had been run the way he, the entire organization had been run the way he wanted it would have been a better organization and that is the late John Richardson who was the son of uh, Jerry Richardson and the apple fell a long way from the tree with John Richardson he's one of the best people I've ever encountered and uh, literally at one point um, when uh, when there weren't playoff bonuses handed out after they went to the postseason was very quietly uh, slipping employees in his department extra, you know, you know, hundred dollars, you know, a few hundred dollars in bills and that sort of thing. 
because he felt angry that they weren't giving out playoff bonuses wow. to his staff. Wow. And so that's – and just uh, – it was funny because, like, most people who are executives, are, you know, they can be kind of very formal. And he, he was just a, just a regular guy. Like, he ran the – basically ran the stadium. And so there was a lot of facilities. I mean, he'd go and work on the on plumbing and stuff like that himself. Wow. From time to time. He game day he'd be, you know, all the other people who were high in management were in you know, crisp suits and he'd show up and have he'd eat his game day meal in the press box wearing, you know, jeans and a polo. How about that? That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's just, you know, it I I learned a lot watching him at work. Yeah. And uh I'd want I I'd sort of if I were in charge I'd be thinking thinking like him like uh the late john richardson uh, i like that mason next one coming in from iceman he says hey friends from the hall of fame the nfl's 300 yard receiving games jim benton went for 303 in 1945 uh cloyce box went for 302 in 1950 stefan page went for 309 in 1985 Willie Flipper Anderson went for 336 in 1989 in an overtime game, uh, to, to, to be specific. Calvin Johnson went for 329 in 2013. Julio Jones, a flat 300 in 2016. He says, it's hard to believe I missed my man Julio's 300. It reminds me of a lot of Timmy going 10 for 21 for 316 yards. And this coming from Patrick Smythe after he says, no, I didn't think you realized what happened. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your your yards per rush were 3.16 yards per completion were 31.6. The ratings for the game were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31.6. Wow. Mace, you and I were not alive in 1945 or 1950, so we would not be aware of the first two. The last four, I should have seen the game. So no excuses for me. Go Broncos, Alex, and Drew. I hadn't realized that the time of possession was right on cue there as well. That's wild. Yeah, thirty-one oh six. That is insane. So it was not three sixteen. It was there was a zero in there. Right. Still wild. Everything aligned when Tim Tebow was out on the field. I put it out there on Twitter last night. I think I my unsolicited advice to the XFL because the XFL has apparently talked with Tim Tebow. And he said, not right now. He's focused on baseball. Mm-hmm. But my idea for the XFL in 2021, expand to Denver. I'll go along with RK oh, and say we're going to make goodness. him the Denver gold and then make Tim Tebow the quarterback of Denver. No, in, in that case, just go with go with the, the Denver Tebows. No, that's a dumb name. <laughs> dumb name. Sorry. <laughs> but think about it. To this day, Zach, if you bring up the name Tebow, it stirs conversation in Broncos country. It always will. So if you, if you were an XFL team in Denver and Tim Tebow were your quarterback, you're getting free advertising that you can't put a value on because pe- people would be talking about your team in this market. It's funny because I look at a Denver XFL team and I think, okay, you go play over at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. I don't think that place would be big enough if Tim Tebow were the quarterback of the XFL Denver Gold in 2021. It'd be a brilliant move. You could play. They'd have to play. They'd have to play it in Power Field. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? How many people do you think would show up to watch Tim Tebow play quarterback for a Denver XFL team next year? Give me a crowd size. Fifty plus. 
I wasn't going to go that high. I was going to say 40. But I think it it's would, Tim it Tebow. Would be huge. I, people would be flying in. They'd sell a lot of jerseys. They certainly would. Man, it would be quite an idea. Or what about put one, have that happen in Florida, a team in Florida? Well, I think one of the things that may come up if the Tampa Bay Vipers continue to struggle is you make sure Tim Tebow plays there. But what's the one place where Tebow has as much value as Florida? It's Denver. It would be Denver. Yep. That would be something. (laughs) It would be. And look, if Tim Tebow were the quarterback of an XFL Denver team, we'd all be there. And it would be on a huge press compliment. It would be as prime time of TV that the XFL would ever get. Uh I'm not saying they'd be 6 p.m. on a Sunday, but I mean, whatever time slot is prime time, they would be in. Oh, man, that's interesting. Yeah, it it, it hit me last night when I saw that he mentioned at a press conference that he had talked with the XFL, but he said kind of not this time. Right. Not right now. Right. Wise for him. I mean, see if this league is going to last for more than one season. Well, I mean, you had 29,000 people showed up for a game in uh, in Seattle. Yeah, this you're getting weekend. you're getting 50 plus. You've St. Louis has already sold out its general seating for next week. Wow, that's now, incredible. They're only selling the lower deck. They've said they're not going to sell the upper deck, but the question is uh, the TV ratings and uh we're still kind of a uh, I'm still kind of waiting, I think, to uh, to see what happens with the TV ratings and how they compare to uh, to last weekend. Um, but their in per- their in person attendance was was re- was solid this week, actually. And frankly, the LA Wildcats had more fans at home cheering for them than the Chargers did. Oh my gosh! Because the Chargers, is... of course, their crowds were bolstered by fans of the other team. That is so sad. Anyway, <laughs> orange and blue stew. Hey, guys. Really interesting discussion on Locke's numbers for his first five starts. Worth considering one of Drew's games was in awful weather conditions at Kansas. Everyone has to deal with weather, but this was pretty severe. In terms of soccer, much as it irks me to say it, Wolves are a nice shout for a Premier League team. They are an up-and-coming team who are fighting the upper half of the table. They also play good football. I would like to throw to Aston Villa, my team, into the ring, a founding member of the Football League, one of only five English teams to have won the Champions League, one of the best traditional stadiums in the country, and in Jack Grealish, one of the most exciting English players in the league. Sure, we're fighting at the bottom this year, but it's more fun than at the top of the table that has already decided, right? Sorry for the long comment. I'll be more succinct in the future. Well, it's a... Aston Villa right there in Birmingham, uh, in, in the Midlands, not too far from uh, Wolverhampton. <laughs> Love the insight uh, on football and football. Yes. If, uh, by the way, is, uh, your, is, is, is systemic cheating enough to change clubs? Mm. I've been thinking long and hard about Manchester City lately and how I'm irked by What's well, a big time cheating? Well, I mean, they're going to be out of the Champions League for any European play for two years pending appeal. I mean, they basically kind of they cook they cook the books as it were. Like they to get around, you know, revenue get around the uh, the limits on spending into a a deficit. They they would use um the connections in Abu Dhabi to create like a sponsorship with a company that was based in Abu Dhabi, say Etihad Airways and have a little more money coming in there. 
They were do they were there were some cynical workarounds. Are you to uh, say the least? If you're an Astros fan, is now a, an appropriate time where you can jump off them and pick you, up a new team with no fault? In my opinion, yes. In my opinion, yes. With City, admittedly, I'm going to wait and see how the appeal goes. Okay. And uh, then so let the process play out. I'm going to trust the process here and see what happens, and then then yeah, I think you can. I think you can because I also agree. If you're an Astros fan. You can you can leave them and pick up another team. It's been a hell of a twenty four years if that's the case, but uh, <laughs> anyway, Bronco ahead. born, Bronco bred says, "Come on now, Mason Zach." So you decided to bring up all the false positives, but failed to mention where great quarterbacks such as Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, although probably not shouldn't be great, Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning, etc., landed on this list. You know what the biggest difference is between the three Denver quarterbacks? Open your eyes test. The eye test. Drew Locke starts and throws excels Trevor and Brock with the eye test to infinity and beyond. Us who are excited about Drew Locke aren't crazy over the stats. It's what we see. Also, Mace, I have a buddy who lives in Seattle, and he said that the reason so many people are buying XFL tickets is due to how hard it is to get into Seahawks, or or is how hard it is to get Seahawks tickets. Well, that's Mm -hmm. interesting, but... I got to go back to where you're calling us out, Bronco born, Bronco bedding, and I got to call you out. We said this. <laughs> we said this, and we, and we didn't just say all the false positives. In that list, there were so many quarterbacks that panned out, and, and, and we said that. And we also said about the eye test. I think you commented a little, a little early. You well, jumped on us. Well, I think part of it is we focused on the last 10 years, and I thought that was wise to kind of get a sample size that reflected the current era of football. Because if we go back to, say, let's just say Tom Brady, for example. 2001, it was a you know a different game. Different standards. In fact, let's take a look at Tom Brady for his first five starts in 2001. Rating of 85.0. Now, that's probably equivalent to a 90-some rating right now. Yeah, pretty good. The Patriots... If you're going for quarterback wins, they were 3-2 and two in the five games that Tom Brady started. I think one thing that I may take a look at as I dive deeper into this is what was the team's form before that quarterback came in and what was it after? Because as I recall, the Patriots, they were a 5-11 and team the year before. They started that year, 2001, 0-2. Lost at Cincinnati in Week One, and then go three and two. So, are were they? You know, let's say they were they were like one and four in the previous five games, and then they go three and two with Tom Terrific. It's interesting. It's but very interesting. In, in, in terms of stats, it probably is the most fair to everyone just to look at the past decade with how much the game has changed, though. Right. One, but, uh, but, but, but but there's one guy who might be hurt by that comparison. It's it's your favorite, Aaron Rodgers, who was good statistically, but the Packers were two and three when he started in 2008. Yeah, not surprising. Coming out of the gate, and the year before they were the they were the number two seed in the NFC and hosting the NFC Championship game after Dallas lost. Yep, nothing surprises me there. Oh, checks come out. On. Come on, checks out. <laughs> oh, but, but Bronco born, Bronco bred. I, I but definitely. That's the eye test again. If you watched Aaron Rodgers in those first five starts, even though the Packers 
didn't have a good win-loss ledger, you could see what kind of quarterback he could, he was. You could see that they were going to be just fine with Aaron Rodgers. So I, I would say this, Zach, those five starts, the Packers gave up 25 or more points four times in those starts. Aaron Rodgers had nine touchdowns and four interceptions. So I would say to you, open your eyes. It's just it's classic Aaron Rodgers. He puts up the stats but just can't lead his team. Can't can't, can't be dominant there. There's but a Bronco Super Bowl Bron- ring on his finger, right? Yeah, one. Yeah, that he led them to. And he was MVP, right? <laughs> I mean, just these one. things did happen. Just one. Uh, but Bronco born, just Bronco one. bred. What, what I'll say is... If you have one, it's, that's, uh, that's terrific. What I'll say is we definitely mentioned the eye test with Drew Locke. Yeah. He, he looks much better uh, than, than... Well, looks much better than Brock. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Tre- Trevor looks good. Uh, you, you can't lie with that. But um, and, and like I said, I think he's going to end up on the positive of this this you know potential false positive. I don't think he's a false positive, but it's interesting to note that at this juncture where he stands right now like Mason and I detailed on Friday, some quarterbacks go on to succeed and some fail. What it really comes down to is five games isn't enough. Okay. It, it's not enough. Love Thunder Down Under has a response to that. I have to read this cuz this made me laugh. Was thinking the same thing regarding Drew Locke. Brock and Spock ain't better than Locke. Spock is Simeon because I wanted to rip, so shut up! <laughs> Closer comp between Locke and Simeon is the Cowboys game in 2017, the Texans game in 2019. But that game for Simeon, that was... He'd started, what, 14 games the previous year? So that was his 16th start. Yeah. I would say that the closer... The comp between Locke and Simeon in their first starts, the Texans game to the Bengals game in 2016. And it was both of their first road starts. Uh-huh. And the Bengals, don't forget, were coming off five consecutive playoff appearances. They're not what they, 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 they were not what they are now. That was, at the time, considered a massive day. Uh, I think yeah. Trevor Simeon was AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He was. Four touchdowns, week. no picks. Yes. And people thought, wow, you went in there against a, play, a perennial playoff team, a team that you had to struggle to get past the year before, and you did that. Yep. Impressive. Exactly. Hank Hill's Propane and Propane Accessories says, One, thought I'd join the fun and change my name from DJC15 to something a little more entertaining. Two, EP Bronco, what part of El Paso do you live? I went to Franklin High School from 2008 to 2012. Are you living in Arlen now? Three. Hank. <laughs> three, just completed coaching in an undefeated season for a private school basketball. Right on. Congratulations. Four, flying isn't the only advantage shorter people have. It's easier for y'all in theme parks, too. I got told I couldn't ride a roller coaster because I was too tall at 6'3", and trying to fit in any rides with those dang seat bars and harness is almost impossible. Well, I do have a uh, a counter to that, though. If you're too short, you can't ride. When all your friends are going, when you're in middle school? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not fair. Zach, do we have to peel back the onion on uh, some childhood trauma. Do we discuss, <laughs> discuss this here? You sit down on the couch, relax, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna dive into your past and untangle the uh, untangle the knots of your subconscious. I think we just did. Okay, probably missed out on a couple roller coaster rides. It's okay, Zach. <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> Mace, it's not your fault. Did you have that as well? A couple of times, yeah. <laughs> and you know what, Zach? 
It's not your fault. <laughs> this has been very healing. Thanks, Mace. He finishes up and says, five, love y'all and have a great week. Right back at you. You too, Hank. Appreciate it. Mr. Undrafted, with us going after Byron Jones, that most likely means Chris Harris won't be here. Does that help re-signing Wolf? Or what would you suck guy say the chances of losing both of them are? I'd personally say re-signing Wolf doesn't have anything to do with re-signing Chris Harris. No, it has to do with what other teams might be pursuing Derek Wolf and what they may offer him. One of the questions that's going to be worth asking to John Elway next week as we you know, pepper him with a fusillade of queries on specific players will be, uh, Derek Wolf, are you going to uh, let him test the market? Are you trying to get something done now? Because John Elway at the Combine in past years has shared which players he's going to let test the market. I remember, <laughs> I think it was back in... Um, I think it was back in 2014 saying that Eric Decker was going to be allowed to test the market. And in my mind, I'm like, he gone. He said it about someone else either last year or the year before too. I think two people. And yeah, that just means see ya. You let him test the market. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're John Elway. Yeah. Then there's then no coming fun. back. Next one coming in from Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. Love that. Besides the craziness that is the Bolin family, we are in a dead period as far as Bronco news. So I have some XML, XFL takes. I agree with Mace that the NFL is missing a true devel- de- developmental league that allows players to focus solely on mastering their craft without the distractions that come with college. I also agree that the XFL lacks star power, especially at the quarterback position. This is why I feel like they are missing a massive opportunity to really carve out a niche in the football market. I'm a huge college football fan, but I think that the billion-dollar industry that is college football really takes advantage of young men that get next to nothing in return for their efforts on the gridiron. So hear me out. They could allow blue-chip recruits to go straight to the XFL where they can get paid for their skills and can focus and train with professionals that can help them get to the next level. Let's face it. College isn't for everyone, and a lot of these kids come from backgrounds that are less than ideal. They can make money immediately and almost treat it as a trade school. The XFL can set up a scholarship for those that don't make it to the NFL and even provide junior college courses for those that want to go to school but get paid to play football. How much more interested would it be if Trevor Lawrence was the starting quarterback of the Houston Renegades? If the XFL would would tray itself as a developmental premier league, For those that aren't eligible for D1 football or just want to get paid for their skills, they could really capture a huge audience. Anyways, just thought, just my thought on how the XFL could really carve out a place in football and generate a lot more interest. Because surprisingly, besides the terrible quarterback play, I find the XFL entertaining. I'd say that as well. I find the XFL entertaining so far. Um, The quarterback play is an issue. It's just that it drops off. I think one thing that the XFL needs to understand, some of their coaches need to understand is this. You're not in the NFL. And like, let's take Tampa Bay, for example, a team that has zero offensive touchdowns in two games and has played three quarterbacks. They played Aaron Murray, Taylor Cornelius. Zero offensive touchdowns. And, and Quentin Flowers. Oof. And of those three on that level, I think Flowers has the most potential. He's a dual threat guy. But... Mark Tressman, he's versed in West Coast concepts. In fact, when Mike Shanahan left the 49ers to go coach the Broncos, Shanahan was the Niners' offensive coordinator, Coordinator, pardon me, back when they won Super Bowl 29. Mark Tressman was the guy who replaced him on the staff. So Tressman believes in pro-style concepts, but I don't think that flies unless you've got one of those rare guys. There are a lot more dual-threat quarterbacks, chaos-creating quarterbacks, than there are 
players who can do true pro-style things. And that's why I think unless you are developing, say, a Trevor Lawrence like that, if you're an XFL team, your best play is to go with the chaos quarterback and do a lot of spread and read option type of stuff and see where it goes from there. And thus, I think what will happen in the XFL, unless they develop pro-style quarterbacks who don't want to go to college, I think what will happen is you'll see more dual-threat guys doing well. And you look actually at the XFL right now, and the top three quarterbacks, the ones that have separated themselves, are Cardell Jones, PJ, who plays for D.C., P.J. Walker, form, formerly went by Philip Walker when he played for the Colts as a backup and practice squad guy, and Jordan Tamu, who was in the draft process last year. Remember talking to him for a while at the Combine. These are all dual-threat guys. And I think that's where their bread is going to be buttered in terms of the quarterback position. They need to find, you've got a lot more chance of finding guys like that than guys who can run pro style offense. And that's why I said on Twitter this weekend, I think you've got some coaches that they're trying to do things that don't translate. I think you've got like Kevin Gilbride in New York and Mark Tressman in Tampa Bay. These are NFL guys, a lot of NFL pedigree, but they're not able to find the quarterbacks who can do what they want them to do, and they're going to struggle. They've got to embrace the fact that this is going to be more like college football than the NFL. Right, and I mean, yeah, it, 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 just like you said, Steve Atwater Hall of Fame, it, if you get the quarterbacks, then the audience will follow. It all it all comes down to that. But the, it is interesting they have said as a league that they will take some high school guys, that they're willing to bypass the whole thing of, saying, okay, the players got to w- go through college. They got to wait for their eligibility. They've said, no, they'll, they'll bring in some of those guys potentially. And so I think that'll manifest itself at other positions, but yes, they do need to either upgrade the quarterbacks or they need to have offenses that reflect the quarterback skill sets. The teams that are doing better generally have offenses that reflect the quarterback skill sets. Yep. Denveria. I don't practice Denveria. <laughs> Thanks for the jersey recommendations. Long snapper indeed sounds like the perfect jersey choice for me. Your fake Sam Ficken headlines got me cracking up. Just hilarious for a German. A question for the community. Any football names which are hilarious to you because they mean something in your language? Another example would be for me would be Coach Frank Reich. France in German is Frank Reich. <laughs> sorry for the many off-season comments and grammar mistakes from my side i do try my best love you guys i love that i love just a different different perspective especially since we have such an awesome international community we do Uh, that's that's a good that's a good question unfortunately i I know english and french so uh, i'm not able to kind of have much in the way of no. a name that's hilarious to me. I, but, I, w- I would but, agree. Bronco born Bronco Brad says, Zach, you got to tune into the XFL now. Your guy is on the New York team. I thought he was talking about Trevor Simeon, but no. Justin Vogel. Oh, Justin Vogel. We hardly, hardly knew ye. <laughs> Justin Vogel, who wasn't even around the Broncos long enough last summer to learn where the bathrooms were. <laughs> <laughs> but he was tall. So think about that. You have eight teams in the XFL. And three of them have former Bronco punters. (laughs) Justin Vogel from camp, Marquette King, and Shane Trapuca because he was a try he had a tryout for a day. How about that? (laughs) So Shane Trapuca, not a former Bronco. We've had a lot of good punter talk on this podcast today. Yeah, Shane Trapuca and Marquette King in the same game. 
How about that? <laughs> I haven't checked Chris Trapuka's Twitter oh, feed. Chris Trapuka is it. Shane's father, of course, and uh, you know he was happy to point out to me last week that when I had a couple of tweets of videos from Marquette King, <laughs> oh well, it wasn't quite as good as uh, oh. <laughs> Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, here and I'm looking at Chris Trapuka on Twitter. He says, "Great start for number seven, Shane Trapuka, 51 yard punt down the 10 yard line." And then someone responds by saying, Broncos need to sign him yesterday. Tell me about it. Better yet, tell the Broncos. Well, the thing is, Shane Trapuca had a tryout. If they saw something in that tryout, they would have signed him. <laughs> yep. So, you know. It's true. It's true. Next one coming in from Bobby Lanks. He says, well, gents, I loved the detail analysis behind the numbers of Locke's first five starts. I opened my eyes, Zach, and decided to <laughs> hold off on the purchase of the number three jersey. Much to my glee and jubilee, my wife's Valentine's Day gift was a custom blue alternate number three lock jersey and memorial of the Bill O'Brien meltdown. Then she asked, do you want to know what you got me? This was a shock because I had already given her the gift at dinner. One more thing. If it's the memorial of the Bill O'Brien meltdown, wouldn't it be a white jersey? Yeah, they wore that day. Yeah. Okay. She says, she comes out in the number 15 Mahomes jersey, and once again, I realized how marrying into a Chiefs fan's family was a vast oversight. Oh, God. (laughs) Mace, thank you for your optimism around Drew's timeline and microwave development. This gives me hope. Drew is not Brock and or Peter Parker. I need him to be Superman. Please be Superman. Here is to a house divided, and boy, I hope Locke is a guy. Please let Locke be the guy. Please. Thanks for making traffic something I can bear now. This community continues to be a blessing. We appreciate you, Bobby. Thank you very much for uh, for riding with us, literally, because you're listening to us while you're in traffic. What if Drew Locke is Batman? What if he's Bruce Wayne? Hmm. That'd be good. Maybe he doesn't have, like, superhero, you know, supernatural abilities. So he's not but he's he, not a top three quarterback, but he's a top ten. Yes. And maybe he's kind of, he punches above his weight, so to speak. If I, and he makes the, and the other thing with Bruce Wayne slash Batman, of course, where does he get all those wonderful toys? He makes the best use of the resources at his disposal. So... If you're Batman, that means you're maximizing Cortland Sutton, you're maximizing Noah Fant, you're maximizing Philip Lindsay, and then you're sitting there at the end of the season and you are hearing the words, where do you get all those wonderful toys? (laughs) So Mace, if I told you right now, Drew Locke would be the 10th best quarterback every single year for the next 10 years, would you take it or no? Tenth best, never bet, never better, never worse, never better, never worse. So he's a top ten quarterback for the next ten years. Yep. Man, That's given tough. the other, I mean, above the, average. I've got to say, I'll sign me up for that. I I think I kind of do as well with some hesitancy. It, it it's not easy to say it, but. Gosh, you, you would at you least, could do a would, lot worse. That's what I mean. You would be in contention, playoff contention every year with that. Yeah. Every year. This one from the Count, Count Locula. What's the one film that you love that you feel like no one else has ever seen? Mine is the 1980 classic starring Kurt Russell and the late great Jack Warden, Used Cars. Y'all ever seen this gem? What are yours, gents and DNVR family? Love the Count. Okay, I've never 
seen or heard of used cars until now. Mine is Hamlet 2. Came out 11 years ago. It's about a, a high school drama teacher played by Steve Coogan who, to try to save the drama department at his school, knows he needs a play that gets a lot of people to come in, and his idea is writing a sequel to Hamlet. And it, it comes up in the film. Doesn't everyone die at the end of Hamlet 1? Oh, I have a device. A, a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's we, we don't see the whole play, but we see snippets enough to know it is completely insane. You know, Laertes is, is cast, a, is, is portrayed as bi-curious. There's reference to how he has Satan French kissing the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> when was this? Uh, 2009. 2009. I'm going to go with the TV show, and I'm going to go with the one I've said a few times. Chuck, it, I mean, it was on NBC, and I feel like nobody's seen it. So uh, it's my favorite TV show ever, so make sure you check it out. How did you first get drawn to Chuck? It's a great question. I, uh, it was on NBC. It was, it was, I thought it was everywhere, yet nobody's seen it. You know where it ranked in the ratings? First of all, it, I know it lasted five seasons. Yeah, it was good. Okay. It was great. This is where it ranked in the ratings oh boy, over its know. seasons. Okay. Year by year, 65, 71, oh, 82, no. 101, 138. Oh, no. It was number one in my heart. <laughs> well, I guess that showed why it's oh, a drastic Oh, my fall. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but in May 2010, it was this is on the Wikipedia page. It was reported that Chuck ranked in the top 20 shows in the Social Sense TV ratings report of social media interactions, measuring posts and reads on forums, blogs, and other social media over a three month period. So for three months, it, it was dropped. a it was a show that had a cult following, <laughs> and I was leading the charge. <laughs> That's a fun question. I mean, I've there, heard Cal. of it. I just. The show didn't take with me. I never watched it. Apparently, it didn't take with a lot of people, unfortunately. But it lasted five seasons. <laughs> 91 episodes, which means it did not make it to what is the uh, magic number, they say, for syndication. That's 100. Mm. Although there have been series that overcame that, like Star Trek, the original Star Trek. So close. Yeah, 91. So close. Fell just short. <laughs> Next one coming in from Love Thunder Down Under. Byron Jones is an intriguing prospect. Would you call him a hybrid cornerback and free safety? I get he will want to be paid like a cornerback, and we want to line him up mostly at cornerback, but surely there are some interesting disguises you could do with him and Kareem Jackson interchanging roles given the comfort they'd have to do it. 100%. I'm completely on board with this. I get the feeling, though, that Chris Harris Jr. is coming home. This all seems like an elaborate back and forth just to end up back together. We've got the money, and he has a family settled in Denver. Enough daughters to marry them off to the Rivers family sons. They'd celebrate the union of the two houses with bulk apple turnovers. Last question for you two. New York Jets on the clock at 11. John Elway's phone rings. They want to offer the 11th for Vaughn Miller. Do you take it? This is not a question of whether the New York Jets would or should. It's a question of the Broncos' decision in that moment. The Broncos would not take it. Why? Why? Yep. Because they feel like Von Miller helps them right now. We may be talking about the Broncos being a couple years away. 
they're going to be thinking in win-now mode this year. They will be because I was going to say because John Elway believes he has his quarterback. Well, I don't, I don't know if John Elway believes that. We'll find that out next week. Now the question is, would I take it? Yeah. Would you take it? Yeah. You would? Yeah. Because not only do you get a, a first-round pick, one that you have higher now, and you still have 15, and you still have two twos, but Mace, you free up $20 million. I would say this. Twenty-five. If I'm on the phone, I'd be thinking this, and I'd say this. If you're wanting to give up that, you really want Von Miller that bad, give me a second-round pick next year, too. Yeah, and I think it happens. Give me a they're, one. They're give calling me a, you? Give me a one and a two. <laughs> Here's, yeah, also— It's if, the Lawrence Welk trade. Give me a one and a two. And let's, Maybe let's, a three. What if, <laughs> what if they say no? What if they say no? 11 for Vaughn. All right. Thanks for your time. Click. Really? Yeah. Really? So that two means a lot to you. If you want him bad enough, that's nothing. Because if you, man, the value for Vaughn right now, that would be getting good value if you got nearly a top 10 pick for him, in my opinion. But I think he's going to be good coming back this year, second year with Vic Fangio. I think so too. But if you're going full youth movement, man, two first round picks this year really helps. All right. More from Love Thunder down under. So it looks like Visca is now starting to fall out of round one in mocks. Ooh. Lamb at 15, Visca in the second. Well, he's falling in mocks because of the the issues. We're going to find a lot more out next week, too. Yes. I mean, he's a guy, he's the guy in terms of medicals to keep your eye on. Yeah. LaVisca has something that just sounds awful. Ostatitis pubis, inflammation of the pubic bone. Ugh. 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 Yeah, that sounds bad. But it's on top of the fact that he's had injuries in the past. Look, this is why I, I didn't want LaVisca at 15. But if it's CD and Visca, you know what? If I go receiver with the first round pick, I'm not going receiver with the second round. I'm waiting because the speed vertical guy whether it's the blinding Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy following, who's just can, can do everything. That's my compliment for Cortland Sutton. And then I'm looking for the possession type guy, the KJ Hill at the end of round three, going wide receiver round one and round two is a Madden move. It's a, it's a Madden move, but Mace, it's naive to say this team doesn't have so many holes that you need to fill. You can't do that. And there's another thing to consider. They might be high on Patrick Mars, but let's say they lose um, Connor McGovern in free agency. And maybe you say, okay, well, well, we'll ride Elijah Wilkinson. We'll move him inside. But is that really something you want? No. So you pick a receiver round one. And then round two, you're on the clock. Tyler Biotish and Lloyd Cushenberry are sitting there on the board. You can have Morris and Wilkinson fight out at guard. You can plug one of those two at center. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, that, and I'm getting the other receiver later. It's a deep receiver class. You'll be able to find guys. I, I agree. Next one from J Money Stack 97. Hello, DNVR community. A few things today. One, Mason Seinfeld has been coming up a lot lately. I have to ask, who, in your opinion, is the worst person on the show? For me personally, it's got to be Elaine. The way she always confronts random strangers, he yells at them for the dumbest things. What do you think? Elaine sometimes gets trapped in her own 
stubbornness. Like, for example, when she goes to the Yankee game, the tickets, it turns out, come from George Steinbrenner. And she won't take off her Orioles cap. <laughs> That's just stubbornness. That's idiocy. <laughs> and then she makes everybody leave with her. I mean, if I were George or, or Kramer and she gets up to go, I'd be like, have a, have a good time. Huh? Maybe this makes me a bad person. But I'm staying and watching the game in the box seats. Oh yeah, yeah you're, you're the you know you're the stubborn person who won't uh, take off the Orioles capping. She kind of pressures everybody else to leave, and so yeah, that's you know what. There's something to that that Elaine may just be a, a bad person. At the same time, George Costanza pushes children out of an old lady out of the way. When there's a fire in an apartment. <laughs> Not a very good look. No! And a lot of people hate the last episode of Seinfeld. I, want, I mean, I know, I think there's enough been that's been written about to where I'm not spoiling it for everybody, where they end up kind of going on trial, as it were, for their sins because of a good, you know, they get into a town where there's a good Samaritan law. And they end up going to jail for one year together <laughs> to be punished. A lot of people hate that ending. In some ways, I thought it was appropriate. Because while the it was a great show, the characters did a lot of antisocial things over the years. Interesting. That is an interesting end. He goes on and says, Choo. It's a Larry David type of choice. Right. It's almost like, hey, the, uh, you know, the joke's on you because you... You know, you laughed along with these people, but they were basically bad people. Right. But Larry David operates on another level entirely from the rest of us. You, you, you got to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, Zach. You would love Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've, I've, I've heard good things. And I've I would, heard really good things. And I would start from the beginning, too. Okay. Like, start from the, the opening of the series. Should I curb my enthusiasm for it, though? Mm, well, I always say low expectations means you, that you won't be disappointed, <laughs> but uh, there are some... There are some phenomenal treatises on social interactions and so forth. And actually, I would say when I, you know, when I get old, if I if I'm blessed enough to get old and have good health and all that, I could see myself completely acting like Larry Dave when I'm in my sixties. <laughs> Two, it's always sunny in Philadelphia is my absolute favorite TV show, and I recommend you guys check it out. Provided kids aren't around, what is each of your favorite shows, Bachelor not included? RK. Well, I've already mentioned it. Chuck. Chuck. Mace. Uh, Seinfeld and then uh, classic uh, Simpsons, although it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is, uh, it's real good. Yeah, it's, it's a classic. Three favorite movies. I'm, I love Charlie. My favorite character on there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's great. Uh, favorite Wild movies. <laughs> I won't say the last word of it. <laughs> Mace, what's your favorite movie? Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a friend, speaking of, of Charlie, I have a friend named Charlie Day. Yes. I have a friend named George Harrison, and I have a friend named Grace Kelly. Really? How about that? Wow. <laughs> oh, Grace Kelly, my favorite uh, old school, golden age of Hollywood actress. Mm-hmm. In, you ever see Rear Window? The no. The Hitchcock movie? Grace no. Kelly's in there, and she's been like... Her, she's a a wealthy socialite, and for some reason, she is completely enamored with uh, the the photographer character who's laid up with a broken leg, played by Jimmy Stewart. 
you know, it just, it makes no sense, but on some level for like everyone in me, you know, kind of who's rough around the edges in media, that's sort of the dream situation. <laughs> oh, right. There was a point in life where I'm like, oh man, I mean, get, you know, this guy, you know, this guy's a, a photog, he's, you know, just, he's, you know, weather beaten, he's got Grace frickin' Kelly? <laughs> man, I'm May's favorite movie. Oh, man. Um, you know, it comes and goes. Um, I have favorites that sort of change. Uh, the classic Star Wars trilogy is always kind of there. Right now, I mean, one that I find myself uh, listening to a lot as I fall asleep is it's an old school movie. It's All the President's Men. Yep. About the Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward uh, investigation into uh, Richard Nixon's malfeasance. That's been at the top of my list. It's probably the best journalism movie. Maybe I'll watch it. All the President's Men. Maybe I'll watch it today. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it today. I love the Oceans series. Okay. Oceans 11, 12, 13. Oh, I love them. I love Gladiator too. How can you not? That's a good movie. Throw Shawshank Redemption in there. Shout out to my mom for that. Oh. <laughs> And then four, he says, finally, the NFL's YouTube channel posted a video the other day, top 100 catches of the 2019 season. And you can imagine our resident Stone Cold Savage, Mr. Cortland Sutton, was on there a few times. My question is, do we know why he's always get, always gets up and aggressively spins the football on the ground? He does it on almost every catch, just curious, and thought maybe someone has asked him, and I missed it. Thanks, guys. Keep up the pods coming, or keep the pods coming, and have a great day. Sounds like a good question to ask him. Never thought about that. Yeah, it does. I I wonder that as well, but I mean, I can picture it in my head right now, so that's a really good point. All right, Mace, before we go any further, I got to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group over in Lakewood. They are the best dentists out there, and just like you and I, they are fanatics for Colorado sports, so make sure you check them out where you can get your teeth cleaned. And you can talk Colorado sports at the same time, or as I do in the dentist chair, I just get to listen to Colorado sports being talked to me. And I love that. I love that because I I do enough talking in a day on this podcast. So they are awesome people. And the kicker of it all, not only do you get your teeth clean, get to talk Colorado sports, but if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush, really the best toothbrush out there, to keep those pearly whites clean after you leave the dentist. Guys, they're in Lakewood. It's 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. Whether you live here or you're here for a weekend, a, a long weekend. Why don't you check them out? Make sure to mention DNVR and get that free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. All right, Mace, Mr. Bezos chiming in next. He says, might sound weird at first, but hear me out. Not only did I find something that pairs great with any sports jersey and doesn't make you a herb, but it also can be had for breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch, and even an anytime snack. As a further bonus, it may not answer how many holes a straw has, but it pairs perfect with one. Coca, I mean... Coca-Cola. Well, there's a 1994 movie called The Paper, another journalism film with uh, uh, Michael Keaton playing the role of a harried editor of a New York tabloid. And he wakes up, walks down to the refrigerator, and pulls out a regular Coke and starts drinking. And his wife, played by Marissa Tomei, George Costanza's crush, (laughs) asks him, why don't you just pour battery acid down your throat? Oh, gosh. And he, he yawns like, ugh, no caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> Probably give you another jolt. Yes. <laughs> what do you think of that? 
Coca-Cola? Yep. For well, breakfast. it's a beverage. It's not really something you can have as a no, meal no. on its own. So. Yeah, probably not for breakfast. He says, question, imagine you could build Beef Supreme in a lab. In this case, he's the perfect defensive player to add to the 2020 Denver Broncos. Do you get the Beef Supreme reference? No. Okay. In the movie Idiocracy, another movie that I feel like not everyone has seen but is a has a cult following and I enjoy, um, Beef Supreme is the name of like of the person on uh, Monday Night Rehabilitation, which is basically a way of punishing like people. And he's like he wields like a flamethrower and uh basically goes after criminals that are on there and so forth. And, okay. Uh, he comes out of retirement to uh make an appearance on Monday Night Rehabilitation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And he's yeah, he got a you know, he's very well built. He's got a beard. He kind of has what what people might think of as a Jesus type of look. So Captain America? I mean, not not with bit. the look, obviously, yeah. but kind of the the, yeah, the creature. Um, beef Supreme. So yes. if you're adding that Beef Supreme <laughs> to the Broncos, he falls in the draft because the teams ahead of the Broncos and any that would trade up for them are run by vegans who can't stomach beef on their squad. What position does Beef play on the defense, and what are his traits? You know what? There might be a guy... Who could fall? I don't think he will, but he could, because teams may not be able to figure out how to use him, because they have to move some pieces around, because this is a chess piece, and I'm saying that the beef supreme defensively of the 2020 draft is Isaiah Simmons. Uh, yep, yep. That I was thinking that there could be a beef supreme in this draft already. So he's a little bit of a linebacker. He's a little bit of safety. He's a, could even be a. A uh, slot corner pinch, you can cover tight ends. You can use him in the pass rush. Mace, you kind of, when you talk about him, you almost hold his versatility against him. I, I get the feeling. I don't hold it against him because a creative defensive coordinator will find ways to make it work. I'm saying that there are some teams that may look at Isaiah Simmons and say, well, if we put him in there, we have to move these other players around. We might not be able to make it fit. I'm saying there are teams that might talk themselves out of Isaiah Simmons, even though he's just a phenomenal player. Right. Yeah, it's true. That that very well may happen, but it would be, oh man, he's he's elite. He's really, really good. Next one from Southern Steve. Mace, while listening to the pod, you mentioned Dick Tarrant and Johnny Newman. Wow. I am from Danville, Virginia, where Johnny was a high school legend. That's right. I remember that. In fact, I'm Actually, looking at a picture of John Newman, then when he was at Richmond, then it was John Newman, Danville, Virginia, right there. Yep, this you is from certainly the, are. this thing from the uh, 1986 University of Richmond basketball that is banquet, and uh, I have it laminated. That's why I've, it's still in good shape. And there's John Newman's signature right there. Ah, the that is it up too there. cool. There yep. it is. He says, "I lived in Richmond during the Tarrant years, but actually was a VCU Rams fan." Where DJ Barnett coached. Not, uh, 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 oh, JD, JD Barnett. JD Barnett. JD Barnett and VCU had its best run prior to this current run that they're on. Although they got they got slapped around by Richmond in the in the River City Crosstown Showdown on Saturday over at Robin Center at U of R. And I'm I'm more of a Richmond fan because I grew up watching them more. But I remember being at a VCU game in the. I think it was in 84, 85, and I uh, was there with my uh, my dad and my brother. And whenever there was a bad call against his VCU Rams, J.D. Barnett, he would work the officials. He, he was not a quiet man uh, when he coached. And some person sitting a couple rows behind us 
whenever J.D. Barnett was was moaning to the refs, would yell, cry, J.D., cry! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's funny. (laughs) He says, thanks for bringing up the memories. My Broncos question for today is, what's the status on the Justin Simmons signing, and what's the possibility of drafting one of the top cornerbacks in the draft? Thanks for all you do, and go Broncos. Simmons... Still in flux. They'd like to get a long-term deal done. They have the franchise tag they can use in the short run. Uh, One way or the other, don't expect Justin Simmons on the open market. Remember, every player the Broncos have tagged has signed a multi-year contract by July. If they don't get something done with Justin Simmons here in the next few weeks long-term, I don't expect that to be any different here. Yeah, I fully expect Justin Simmons to be tagged when free agency opens up. As for drafting one of the top corners in the draft, you know, unless they pull off an audacious trade-up to get Jeff Okuda, don't see it happening. Don't see the quality there. I mean, we've talked about Christian Fulton out of LSU, for example, and uh, he doesn't have the tackling uh, discipline that uh, you expect and that Vic Fangio would want. I think they go corner in free agency and maybe add a day three guy for depth. Byron Jones. Yes. That's who you should keep your eyes on. Mm-hmm. Wendy City Broncos says, I really appreciate your dive into the numbers we have on Drew Locke. It shows how hard it is to know if he's the guy from the limited play that we've seen. The outliers like Mahomes are obvious, but most players are somewhere in the middle. It's difficult to compare across seasons, team schedules, and the different personnel each team played with. Really, the only thing we can draw, Zach, is that if you play poorly in those five starts it's not going to come around almost certainly if you are above kind of an a baseline if you are say competent then you've got a shot but the ones that are have really low numbers really low production those first five starts they don't come out of it right I'm originally from Denver, but now live in Chicago, so this made me think a lot about how the 2017 draft played out. One team looked at the numbers and traded up to get Trubisky. Another team looked at the exact same numbers and traded up to get what seemed to be a generational quarterback talent in Mahomes. The Broncos might have been in the playoffs this year if that draft pick goes the other direction. Anyhow, thanks for putting on a great show from a longtime fan of the Denver Broncos and Breckenridge Vanilla Porter Jr., or Vanilla Porter. If you ever find yourself in Chicago during the season, stop by and watch the game with your with our crew, Chicago Bronco Nation, and your beers are on me. Oh, that's so cool, Windy that's, City Broncos. That Bronco. sounds awesome. Hopefully uh, we'll have the chance to do that someday. And uh, you know, the Broncos play in Chicago a fair amount in preseason. Maybe the uh, scheduling gods will guide the Broncos back to the Windy City this summer, even though it's only preseason. Might be an opportunity there. A really good point. Top Gun 11. Hey, guys, first time commenter here. I'll keep it short. Do you believe the Broncos would have any interest in bringing in Nelson Spruce given the way he's been balling out in the XFL? And if they did, would he have a real shot at being an impact player in our offense? If any team in the NFL is going to give him a shot, I think the Broncos are right up there. Yeah, and it's interesting because he played well in the AAF last year, and the Broncos didn't give him a shot. And this is a guy where you're bringing in... Kind of like Bosby. They weren't counting on Devontae Bosby to, to be anything, and he was depth, a bright surprise. But for depth, why not? It, I, I agree. Larry Dang Jr., man, that was such a great pod and humbled me. I jumped out the window in fandom, and that gave me a calm down, relax, and wait and see type of vibe. I have so many questions, but I'll limit it to two and play out other things during the week. Number one, 
Am I wrong or don't two-sport QBs usually do very well in the NFL that were two-sport athletes? Elway, Russell Wilson, Mahomes, and now Locke. Hmm? Or is that a reach to say? I don't think it's a reach. I think if you're a good athlete, it will reveal itself in multiple sports. Um, you know, Andrew Luck, for example, loved playing soccer growing up. Natural athleticism, leadership traits, these things are independent of what sport you're in. If you work at it enough, you're probably going to be good at what you do. Yeah, it exactly. And it's not a cause and causation it's not because they're good at two sports they end up being good quarterbacks but i would say a lot of quarterbacks have that trait yes that's something to consider number two i keep looking at mocks and i keep thinking oh man why don't we trade down with miami here's my scenario what do you think trade down with miami get their two first rounders and give them our san francisco third rounder and boom we take lavisca at 18 and trayvon Diggs with that houston pick what do you think i think jigs and jalen Diggs and jalen johnson are the only corners worth taking in this draft. What do you think about those two, Mace? Mm. I think Diggs you might be able to get in round two. I'm not sold on Jalen Johnson. I, I'm I'm lukewarm on this cornerback class in general. This is a this is a tough. So to do that group. to pass beyond Okuda, up, I mean like Jeff Okuda, I think is is outstanding. I'm beyond that. I'm. To pass up a healthier receiver to get LaVisca and a cornerback you're not sold on doesn't excite me. No. But I I, I, I like I like that you're thinking out of the box, Larry. Yeah, I like that. I just I will say this. I'm I'm not sold on uh, the more I watch T. Higgins, the less sold I am on him. I think he might be a little bit of a product of the quarterbacking. Um and LaVisca's got the injury concerns. Yeah. Yeah, it's if you don't get one of those top three, you're waiting on receiver. I, I agree with that. Bronco Brit 73 don't have a question this time. Really enjoying the pods. Have renewed to the yearly subscription. Hey, Welcome. Thank Love you, Bronco it. Brit. We'll be in Denver from Monday and have asked to collect my tea from the office. I'm looking to the new season and to see what this young core can do. Well, hey, uh, let us know when you're going to drop by, and uh, we'll try to be there if our schedules allow. Exactly. Big Tony says, what's up, homies? I was a little heated regarding Chris Harris yesterday, if you couldn't tell. Ha ha. Anyways, just wanted to thank you guys for taking time to give me advice on how to get in the sports world. A couple more questions regarding that, though. What degrees did y'all get, and are they absolutely necessary in order to make it? The closest degree I can find out here in Vegas is journalism and media studies and news production at the local JUCO. Would this be a good spot to start? Well, I would say this. If... if you're doing a lot of stuff in production while you're in JUCO. That is a good spot to start. That being said, your major doesn't matter. It, it, it matters more what kind of experience you're getting outside of the classroom. I mean, I'm just a communications major. Yep. I uh, I talked to uh, Big Tony this weekend on social media. Yeah. That's exactly what I said. I said it's about the experience. Now, sometimes the major you have can get your foot in the door, but it's all about getting that foot in the door. It can come from... 5,000 different ways in this industry. P.S. My dream Monday Night Football crew would be Gus Johnson, play-by-play, Peyton Manning, color, and Pat McAfee, field reporter. Also, I would like to see Motley Crue play in the Super Bowl halftime show. Wow. (laughs) I think you guys blew my mind with that crew. Uh, Yeah, that would be be awesome. I'd love to see Gus Johnson back on pro football. Yeah. I miss him. Yeah. He actually had the call of the uh, famous tip drill 
touchdown pass from Kylo Orton to Brand Stokely. Yes, he did. And it's vintage Gus. Stokely! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, it's yeah. It's like no other broadcaster could have been at the mic for that and nope. maximized it. Nope. I miss Gus on the NCAA tournament. I miss Gus on yeah. the NFL. Yeah, he's great. He's a legend. Yeah. Next one coming in from Joe Turner 96. Ryan and Co., the decision is easy. Your EPL team of choice should be Liverpool. They are one of the most thrilling teams in the world right now, one of the most charismatic and likable coaches in sports, and, and Jurgen Klopp, a spine-tingling rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone, performed by the entire stadium before every home game, and a never-ending list of iconic moments. Most recently, the second leg of last year's Championship League semifinal against Barcelona. And don't worry about jumping on the bandwagon. We'd be ecstatic to have you on board. Loving the Broncos' offseason coverage? Keep up the awesome work. It's funny because the bandwagon is one of those reasons why I'd say, oh, it's it's too easy to jump on Liverpool right now. You know? (laughs) It is. It is easy to jump on Liverpool. Dan Burke, Stefan Diggs is a hot name right now in the fan base, but I think I'd rather push for a DJ Moore trade instead. Might cost a little more, maybe a two this year and a two next year, but he's younger, 23 for the 2020 season, cheaper, a much more dynamic presence in terms of creating yards after the catch, as well as less of a locker room issue. Carolina is in obvious rebuild mode, especially factoring the, the terms of rules contract, so I imagine most, if not all, players are available for the right price. What do you all think? Not two twos. There's there's too many good receivers coming out this year, and as I've said many times, wide receiver is the one position college football has no problem producing. So I'm not sacrificing two twos for one guy like that. Fair. I mean, if you could get him for the right price, which is maybe one two. One two, yes. Oh absolutely. man, thousand yards, th- almost twelve hundred yards last year with that quarterback play. Man, a speed threat that would be something. Yeah, that's. Definitely got my attention. But also, if you're Carolina, yeah, they're rebuilding. Why would you trade a young player like that? It does that doesn't make because sense. Because when we're we're talking rebuild, we're not talking about like a five or a six year plan in this day and age. We're talking about something like the 49ers did. Right. Which was basically which was three years in the end. Could have happened earlier though for them if Jimmy G doesn't get hurt in twenty eighteen. That when they went four and twelve, right? I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if if Jimmy G had been healthy that year, if they'd finished nine and seven, and then still had this kind of year in twenty nineteen that they ended up having. I agree. So, I think with Carolina, this year is the teardown year, but twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, I expect them to make massive steps forward, and DJ Moore, being so young, will be approaching just approaching his prime then. There's no reason for the Panthers to trade him. Queen City Bronco, thanks for the analysis of Drew's first five starts compared to Brock and Trevor. The immeasurables Drew has will be the difference in the future compared to the other two. Also, the offseason work, it doesn't seem like the other two took advantage of the time available. Here's hoping Drew will. Thanks for all the work and great discussion. Well, didn't Trevor Simeon do some offseason stuff that was organized by, by Mark Sanchez, too? Wasn't he involved with that? Yep. Yeah. As well as the receivers? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I Trevor, I would say did did enough. He just didn't have it. Yeah. Trevor tried to do everything that Peyton Manning did. Yes. He and it was one of those things where Trevor being around Peyton Manning studied, learned and said, "Okay, I'm going to do everything I can to be as mentally sharp as I can be." Just taking that lesson from that season. 
Which is why I always thought Paxton Lynch, when he came in, by not really looking at Trevor Simeon in the same way. If, if I were Paxton Lynch and I saw how Trevor was first guy in, how he was studying, what he was trying to do, I would have said, wow, he was around Peyton Manning for a year. He obviously learned something. I'm going to follow this. Right. But that's not how Paxton operated. Yep. It certainly wasn't. So on to Rob. People that recline their airline seats are the worst. I'm a tall guy. I can't sit in an airline seat with my legs straight. I have to manspread to fit, mm. and my knees still touch the corners of the seat in front of me. If someone reclines, my knee goes into the aisle because there's nowhere else for it to go. Then I get hit by the beverage cart and yelled at by flight attendants. Airlines should just take away the reclining seats altogether. Congress also sucks because they had to vote to put a limit on legroom to force airlines to stop taking legroom away. They voted against it, and legroom has been, on airlines have, has been sh- shrinking ever since. Oh, wow. Well, Congress is, you know, business over people sometimes, right? Often. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. To say the least. RK, it's a perfect time to find an EPL team because Christian Pulisic is playing for Chelsea. Pick Chelsea because America. <laughs> They're owned by a Russian billionaire. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really America sure picking Chelsea. <laughs> I'm not really sure picking Chelsea is America. It sounds like the three of, actually, Liverpool has American ownership. Okay. There mm, you go. going to be American. There you go. So does Manchester United. Yep, you certainly do. It sounds like the three of you have a good working relationship with Steve Atwater. Any chance he could appear on the podcast as a guest? I understand he's a busy guy. Maybe he could call in for a 10 or 15-minute spot or something. I'm sure we'll get Steve Atwater on. We probably at some point go down and kind of record that uh, at work for him. But yeah, I think we'll have Steve Atwater on, and we'll be a, guest, no we'll problem. be around him a lot coming yes. up in the in the coming months. On the topic of Chris Harris Jr., let the man do what he wants. He's been a great player for the Broncos. If he goes to the Chiefs, it's the Broncos' fault for mishandling the contract negotiations and letting him go. You can't blame the guy for chasing the money during his last chance for a big contract. I don't blame him either. I don't. Either. I, I will never fault a player for chasing the money. No. I'll fault a college coach for chasing the money when you've just promised that you're going to be around. Yep. I Mel agree. Tucker. Yep. I agree with that. But I'm not going to fault a player. Totally agree. Pig Tosser 66, alternate history. The defense doesn't forget how to play football in the second half of the Vikings game, and Brandon Allen starts 2-0 and and wins his first road start against an NFC playoff team. How does the rest of the 2019 season play out, and where is the team sitting at this moment leading up to free agency in the draft? This is a bad situation. It's a bad situation. They don't start Drew Locke until week 16. Yep. So we don't know. We don't see the, the, the massive game in Houston. Here's what happens if they win that game. They lose to the Bills. I think it was clear that Brandon Allen was exposed. They lose to the Chargers. They lose to the Texans. They lose to the Chiefs. So they go 6-10. and 10. Instead of seven and nine. So they're picking at 10? Yeah, they have a higher pick. But the thing is, we don't know. We're sitting here with Drew Locke saying, I don't know if he can be the guy for 2020. They don't know. We don't know. We're talking a lot more about Justin Herbert and, and Jordan Love and Tom and Brady. Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason and Tom Brady and Jameis Winston <laughs> and Andy Dalton. We're talking about, and Philip Rivers. We're talking about all these guys right now. Yep. If Brandon Allen stays in the lineup. Yep. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. So maybe blowing 
the game in Minnesota was the best thing that could have happened because it put Brandon Allen on thin ice. And then he fell through the ice on that cold, windy day. <laughs> Illinois Broncos says, non-related Broncos question. With all of the talk of adult animated TV shows in the previous pod, I'm curious as to any of you have seen Rick or Morty. Zach, you might not be a fan of it. Mace, you should definitely give it a watch, though. I would advise you that it does have some crude language and inappropriate behavior. Also, did you guys have a favorite animated TV series growing up? If so, what was it and what changed now? Keep up the great content. We appreciate you guys. And Illinois Bronco himself... <laughs> Comes in with a self-learning lesson right here. He says, note to self, finish the whole pod before commenting so you don't accidentally ask the question that was asked on the previous pod. Okay. Face palm. Yeah, if I ever have time, I'll give Rick and Morty a shot. I'm aware of it. Haven't watched it. Yeah, no, probably will never give it a shot. So. You won't? Probably not. It, go- it goes in those animated adult animations. that just they, They're just not my vibe. They're That's not my fair. jam. Not, it's your, not my bread and butter. Not for everybody. <laughs> but I do know that they're very popular, or that show is very popular. Yes. And Y.O. Bronco. Hey, fellas. Let's say there's still one of the top three tackles and one of the top three receivers on the Broncos board, and Brown falls, and is there at 15. Who do you take? So three, oh, a top tackle and a top receiver. In that case... Boy, Mace, who are you taking? Oh, I'm probably taking tackle because I'm staying in the trenches and and I'm getting a good one. I'm probably taking tackle. Uh, but Derek Brown, man, that's gosh. Oh, Derek Brown could. Time. Derek Brown might change things for me if he's there. I don't think he'll be there. I'm I'm gonna take Derek Brown. Really? I think Derek Brown. Why? Force of nature. He can be special. I always say that when it comes to contract time after that first contract, you pay for special. Mm-hmm. You can get special at 15. Derek Brown can be a special interior presence. Where do you think he goes? Because we haven't talked about him much. Of course, the, the defensive, defensive lineman from Auburn. I don't think he gets past pick number eight. Top 10 guy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, man. And you do have a need on defensive line. Wow, man, that's tough. You do have a need on defensive line. And yeah. this situation could unfold with the rush that's going to happen on quarterbacks. Honestly, because of where I expect Derek Brown to go, I haven't had a lot of thoughts about him. But if he were sitting there, man, that'd be fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I'm sure Vic would love him on his defense he goes on says i find the Taysom hill situation for the saints intriguing if breeze comes back what do you what do you do if you're the saints do you see a team coming in with a say 20 million dollar offer for hill no lock or hill give me lock lock this quarterback free agent class is quite intriguing to watch play out which tb or will tb12 have to be the first domino to fall not necessarily peyton manning the year he came out took him a while when he was in free agency, I think uh, the first domino might be Philip Rivers. I think whatever Tampa Bay does, Peter King suggested that Teddy Bridgewater could be a buck. Kind of the opposite of Jameis. He also suggested Andy Dalton for the Patriots if they move on from Tom Brady, a name that I've been bringing up. It's picking up a lot of steam. Well, I told you first. <laughs> yep. Belichick is arrogant enough 
to see Andy Dalton and see, okay, we can do more with him. Right. He can be much more than he was in Cincinnati, and I don't think he's wrong. There. I, yeah, no, I agree with that. I think Andy Dalton in New England, you could be talking about a 12-4 team that wins the division again <laughs> and pushes for the AFC Championship again. <laughs> with Andy freaking Dalton. He's not a bad quarterback. No, he's he's average. He's a bar of average. But he's average in Cincinnati. Right. Not the most conducive environment historically for success. Could he be above average in New England? And would that be enough complemented with a defense that should be very good to elite next year? Yeah. Yeah, it, man, that would be something. They Don't, need to get themselves some explosive receivers, though, in this year's draft. They certainly do. And uh, like we've said, there's plenty of them out there for the Broncos uh-huh. or for any team. Just don't have LaVisca go to the Patriots. No. Let, let's not have that happen. Wyo Bronco ends with a question about keto for Ryan. So make sure you just hit that question later this week where Ryan will be back with us. But for today, Mace... That'll do it. But before we get out of here, I got to tell you guys about Davidson's, which has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. Guys, just like us, they're locally owned and have a massive selection of everything that you could ever want, including our favorite Breckenridge beer. So make sure you check Davidson's out. Perfect for a holiday like today. Perfect to get your week going tomorrow and perfect for the weekends and on the weekends. Make sure you check them out on Friday from 3 to 6 or Saturdays from 1 to 4 where they have free tastings. And guys, these tastings are awesome tastings. Hit one up this weekend. Found exactly what I was having for this weekend. So make sure you check out Davison's to get hooked up with Breck Brew, our favorites, and download their app to get the best deals out there and join their loyalty program and... Through that, you can get booze delivered to you. So make sure you check out Davidson's. All right, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys for rolling with us on this President's Day, for starting your week off with us. It means the world to us. We will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>